This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Shachtan, an indo Askeliga. Time in mon iroti yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a machan shaw gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kieschin ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Yatakshe talam griven arkarstan ilistuha lagus kimen fracht gora kliksar dukeshen ekor. Oni ven aun tardarakshin. Schachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Aldi. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are things? I'm good. Yeah, just another very intimate kind of fireside <laughs> chat, minus the fire minus this the week. Fire. Yeah, just myself and yourself once again. Yeah. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good, Will. How are you? Yeah, good. You, you, were, you were in full business mode in. You know, I said hello. You had the, the earphones in on a business call. <laughs> you know, you no, no, no greetings, no kind of cordial. How are you doing? No uh, straight into rugby. You were still no, in AIB mode. I was in I was college mode, unfortunately. Oh, college yeah, mode, so I was uh, chatting to uh, one of the, the guys in an assignment. So... Uh, yeah, no, I didn't mean to be rude. No, it's good it's to fine. see everyone back, the old crew, yeah, yeah band back here. together. Yeah, all here. Uh, another great weekend. Very good Enjoyed weekend. Enjoyed the weekend. Very I teed it up that it was going to be with a blockbuster Saturday, back to back to back games. And uh, while the Con Toulouse game frustratingly wasn't on TV, and, and I was working in the office, we still don't have the red button mechanism here in Independent House. So I was stuck watching Northampton Treviso, which to be fair was a cracking game on its own. Cracker right. of a game. Yeah, um, I thought that might be the one that. Uh, well, look, we'll see. Like you know, they, could, they might catch Leon out. As I think well. they'll beat Leon. I do. Do you? Yeah, I do. I don't know. They yeah. look good. Like they actually look. No, they are a good team. Yeah, like, Northampton are a good team, and they should have beaten them. Yeah, like, uh, but they're tricky at home. As I said, I, yeah. I have a feeling this was my one tip that I think actually could could be worth a few quid is maybe Treviso to beat one of those teams at home. Yeah, um, and it would have been a good one to make at the first week because all the other teams were was Northampton were second, Leon yeah. were top of the league, and Leinster obviously flying high as well. So. Uh, yeah, interesting to see if they take a scalp there. Well, I've been pushing. I was pushing the Ulster bandwagon before the Claremont game. I was telling anyone who would listen that they were going to win that game, and they did. I just, it was. And when it was we raining. get so many wrong. We may as well say yeah, the ones that are right. Was, yeah, because no one ever remembers <laughs> when you get so many wrong. No one ever remembers. They always remember if you take a flyer on one that comes through. But you have to. It's so hard to predict these things. You just basically. I I go on. Like, there's probably a, a few different factors I consider when you're when people ask you about a game. I was like, okay, well, who's got. First of all, who's a better team? First of all, how good? Or secondly, how good are they at home? Or you know, is, and, and that's the big one. And then I think you're you're probably going on. You know, how good is the pack? How good is the kicker? Like there are probably four things you can say every week. You probably have a good chance of getting it right but, if you get those things. If you have a good if you have a good grasp of those things. My, my Ulster uh, prediction, a lot of it was based on like my kind of 
theory on certain home teams that even a bad version of that team is almost really, really difficult to beat at home. Like Munster at home park, even like bad Munster teams have yeah. had taken huge scabs. Like like when I was in school, Ulster were, were very poor, but they, they would routinely take massive scabs in Kingspan or Ravenhill as it was yeah, then yeah. still. So they're my kind of, my bad team playing well at home, even though, they, and this is a good Ulster team. So that's what I was like, by that logic, I think they'll be really difficult to beat. Like they beat Claremont two seasons ago in Kingspan as well, when they again weren't going well. well. They were very poor then. Yeah, yeah no, and, they still, and they still beat them. Look, I, I think they've I think they've signed really well and it looks like they've shifted the balance away from like getting backs. You yeah. know, they went through a, like a real period where they were like buying in and like like Peter. brilliant players. But they had a lot like, of homegrown guys too to be fair. No, no, sorry, they yeah. did and they had a really good like they, but they've had massive turnover, yeah. you know. Uh key guys as well, like Paddy Jackson's a big loss mm. for them. Um, you know, Andrew Trimble, Tommy Bow retiring, although they were injured quite a and lot Pia towards Tau. the end. Pieta like was, was phenomenal <laughs> in fairness, right? But like at the same time, I feel like they've got the priorities right now. If you look at Ulster, and we may as well start yeah, we'll at, at Ulster, I yeah. think, the pack is where you win the games. And like, look, what was even more impressive was that the likes of Jack McGrath was obviously out injured with the thumb. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think like someone like him would be a big loss up there, uh, particularly against a big French pack, like that Claremont pack. So, oh, Sullivan has been a really good player for He's them. been excellent, oh, yeah, but sorry, yeah. you, I always think in a big game, you probably want two props. You want two guys either side, fit, you know. Yeah. Um, so you want two good tight heads yeah. and two good loose heads. It's really hard for those guys to finish a game and really have impact the whole way through. Just the way the modern guys are so big. Um, so, yeah, look, I've been really impressed with the way they've recruited. You know, could see again coming good so, for them. So, so good. Um, you know, Jordy Murphy's a great bit of business. You know, obviously Henderson, um, you know, when he's playing well. Like, they just look like they've got the pack dynamic um, right this time. Um, I thought Herring was excellent as well. Um, you know, very, very physical. And look, he's an excellent player, I suppose. My, you know, I've obviously had a few gripes here and there about him getting kind of, I suppose, Sprung into the Irish team at times. His gra his grand he's a grandparent who's Irish. So no, but as in sorry, yeah. it kind of sprung okay. in having been the sub in Ulster, yeah, like, yeah, rather yeah. than like not starting was my gripe okay, really yeah. in that with, with that one. So look, yeah, look, that's a they, they look like they're going to be able to compete now, and like that because that's the key part is can you compete physically in the pack? Can you have dominance there? Can you produce? A, a performance where you're getting the edge in most of the collisions because once you're doing that the probability of you winning I think like goes way up I, I would I mean, my own and, view and it goes up even higher when you have a scrum half playing as well as John yeah, Cooney is like yeah. he, a friend of the pod who's been on before uh, but he's in sensational form it was another in mm. some of these big European nights even last season when they when they got to the quarter mm. final he had some really influential performances you know yeah. his, his goal kicking has been really good for him a guy who hasn't really got a look in with Ireland but like now for me he's head and shoulders in terms of form yeah. above the other nines I'd agree with that yeah I think he's playing the best um, I don't even think he's playing in the best team of the lot as well so that's kind of saying yeah. something as well um, but I, just the personal touches I think like obviously the try was outstanding but he's obviously playing with a huge amount of confidence up there and they like Dan McFarlane it was interesting hearing him talking after the game he was yeah, saying about like he's, he's watching him do it going oh no terrible decision but obviously it's funny when you follow through and you have confidence in what you're doing even a bad decision like they always say that is like even if like whatever we're doing, let's just do it a hundred percent. Do you know that kind of way? The yeah. indecision actually can really kill. It can kill a good a good decision, but it can it, like a bad decision. You really compound it. So I thought it was great to see him follow through with a lovely bit of skill and a great finish. So uh, excellent to see that. I think as you say, he's the formula. He's a nuggety little player. He doesn't get enough credit for that as well. He's a great a great tackler gets stuck in. 
and a good reader of the game, good footballer. So, yeah, interesting to see how things pan out in January for him. Yeah, because it's funny with him, like, he obviously got cut from the World Cup squad without even playing in the warm game, so mm. he didn't even get a chance to show what he could do. But yeah. in the Six Nations, he did make some really good impacts off the bench, even though, they, like, Ireland were thumped by England. He actually played pretty well in, in the last 10, 15, however long he got. And one of the other games, can't remember which one off the top of my head, he also had a pretty good impact off the bench as well. So he actually did do all right, but he just never got kind of the time of day, despite having a lot of good club form to back it up. Yeah, look, sometimes you just don't fit a coach's eye or there's something with like one trait in a player that, that, that a coach doesn't like. And Joe, I think, is probably one of those people that can get something in his head and then he just can't get it out. Oh, it's all he sees with a player, so he yeah. just never picks them. So, yeah, look, I'd say that's probably what affected him. And, like, that's... He's a human as well. Like, jo like Joe Schmidt's human with these things. Like, and also, I'd say he's a big stato, so he probably looks at a lot of stats. And I always feel with him when you hear him talking, like, he's one of those guys who bends stats to kind of support a narrative as well. Yeah. Like, he's good enough with them, the numbers to understand how to do that if something on a qualitative side, on the, like just basically, if you're talking about how he feels about a player, he's good at bending something to uh, like to support the narrative in terms of hard data. So I'd say he probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he did that with John because if you looked at John, he was having a huge impact in Ulster as well. It wasn't just what he was bringing to the table in terms of like, you know, his, his on-field contributions. It was like the big moments. He, yeah. he was a moments guy for them. Like yeah, a guy he kicked who a lot of winners. He sat, it was a three yeah, in the start, the start in the first season, like six yeah. games or something like that. Yeah. He had like to, either to tie games or to win games and stuff. So yeah, like he's he's been a massive player for them. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit surprising. Although I would I would say Luke McGrath probably deserved, definitely deserved to go given how he finished yeah. the season. But was only you would have thought three nines probably two, would have yeah. Like when you're only taking two nines and like, I guess the issue was like Conor Murray, obviously unbelievable player, wasn't playing great, so mm. that was one spot that was boxed off, no matter what. Thirty one's too; it's too little to bring to a World yeah. Cup for for that amount of games. You just you have to get lucky with injuries, yeah. and it's silly. Now, like Joe actually made a really good point about it. Like when you're training, like every single international team will train against a fifteen, just even to practice your moves to get a feel for things. But it gives you a little bit of leeway in terms of who you're going to pick for the thing. And I, I thought that I, I completely agree with him on that one. You need a little bit of extra breathing room to have a 50. Like, you can't have your cameraman or your, you know, other guys filling in as a yeah. 15. You shouldn't have that. It's a World yeah. Cup. Like, I didn't, it should be your best squad. Yeah. And I'm sure they're probably saying, well, that probably, you know, that really leans towards the bigger nations, but three or four extra players really doesn't, I don't think. Yeah. And Ulster's great win. Saw them debut at number six on my. Oh, the list my, is my in. My you list remember this week? I remember this week. Yeah. <laughs> Power rankings. We got like, I think, one tweet, possibly two, two tweets. Like, I think. Yeah, I think it was yeah, two, two tweets. Yeah, yeah. My top 20 which I'll unveil now <laughs> you know the, the team upstairs are, are we doing this now or are we doing it after them I think I'll do it now you're just too up, excited tea tea up. Up. Yeah, because I might forget that's the thing this is I like need, Christmas to, morning I stuff for you isn't it <laughs> well no it's, I'm merely a conduit to deliver these rankings the crack team of eggheads upstairs are the ones who calibrate all the theorems and theories and then I kind of so there's there's, there's an algorithm that like an algorithm finally calibrated that's why I took an extra week that's this has we, some basis it's in been maths, incubating for an extra week so okay. I'm going to go from 20 to number 1 in 20 at the poor Ospreys who are just looking pretty desperate I've them, seen yeah. them unfortunately I've seen them live twice 19 La Rochelle we might touch on them later Ron O'Gara's a, a tough start to life in the European Cup 18 Leon. 17 Gloucester 16 Treviso 15 Bath sorry say that again who's uh, after uh, go for 16 Treviso Benetton sorry I'm, I'm kind Benetton, of yeah you'd want to get that right for air sports they, go mad, they went yeah. mad at me <laughs> for ages well, couldn't I, get it in Scarlett as Neil Francis still oh, does Jesus. that's been about 15 years it has go on anyway 15 bats 14 Montpellier 13 Harlequins 12 Connacht Harlequins above uh, yeah go on keep going yeah 
12 Connacht, 11 Glasgow, 10 Sale, 9 Northampton, 8 Munster, 7 Claremont, 6 Ulster, 5 Saracens, 4 Racing, 3 Exeter, 2 Toulouse and 1 Leinster. I think at the moment they're sitting pretty with the pool draw they have. Saracens probably stands out, although I presume you're basing it on the first outing. Well, for, yeah, I'm basing it on the outing that they're unlikely to be a top, top seed Given that they've lost, yeah. Given now, that yeah. they've lost one game, okay. and they have to play in Thomas Park next week. So, but is this your rankings, or is this the 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 who qualifies out of the pools? This is a, a, mis, a kind of a a, a combined. It's you're, weighted. Thusly. You're you're, fold, you're it, folding under I'm not, pressure. I'm not this is like one. It's like a politician I'm who has like spouts yeah. some kind of number. And I feel goes, like Whoa, Boris Johnson <laughs> on like Question Time or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. This. Don't the, worry about it. I enjoyed it either way. Weight, it's, it's kind of a half weighting of who is the most likely to win the tournament, through. and the other half is form and who's playing the best. So it's kind of weighted equally, calibrated within an inch. I of see. Perfection. You've got a few different factors in the model. I like it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I don't disagree with all that. I mean, look, it's very hard to pick the fifteen to five. I think. Yeah. Sorry not inclusive of five I would yeah. probably agree with the top five yeah. currently but say 15 what to the, 6 what about the top the top like who's your top t- is, it le- is it like is, I have Leinster Toulouse Exeter because like if this is the first year Exeter for instance you know, they've got one five you know got 10 points out of 10 points usually they've had a weird loss in there at the start and or a draw yeah like, or they look like yeah. they, they're going to be prob- have a home quarter it would be interesting to see their first year they've probably actually been in the box seat to do well in the tournament they are extremely difficult to beat at home as mm. well uh, played there before it's, uh, it's a it's a difficult place to go the crowd are excellent there they get a really regular uh, like I mean, as in, you know, obviously the, the club is really well run. They have great support there. They're kind of a bit like Leicester, where I know Leicester have been struggling, but they get great support every week to yeah. the stadium. And they're actually the revenues from that actually drive the club and keep the club going. They yeah. actually do it properly. Um, so yeah, look, it'd be good to see. I'd like to see Exeter go a little bit further in the competition. I really feel like yeah. it's I kind of their like form. It's, it's been very samey the last few years. I'm kind of like sick of this, the, like you know, Sancho versus Sars. You know, they're, they're great matches, but I'd like to see you know an Exeter go f- further in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Or you know, we have had. Fairly similar. Now, to be fair, it's good to see the Irish teams in the semi-finals. I don't mean we're going to have Claremont in there this year. I think yeah. they'll be uh, probably in the bottom half now, uh, yeah. perhaps. Uh, but it depends. We'll see how they finish the group. Uh, Rassing, what like so? We'll move on to Rassing Munster. Rassing, that was yeah. an absolute cracking match. I don't know how they they completely brained that. I did. Yeah. They did. And then they could have even lost it. As a, like, like that was. A, that I mean, look, I, I really fell for JJ. He had a great game. He did. Look, he missed one. Game. He missed one tackle in the in the lead up, but it was still they still had a lot to do with the Finn Russell. Very lucky chip through the legs. It was very extremely lucky. But it was phenomenal. It looked good though. It looked good, but to the train, I I would feel to the trained eye, there's no way you're going for that. Like, but uh, look, it's so like well, maybe I'm not trained anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so you know, twenty one all, you know, Munster. You know, they were down by eight points, then they were down by seven. At 21 14, Rassing missed a couple of chances, then they battled back and have the drop goal. So, at, like, I think Peter Manny kind of put it best. He was kind of struggling to kind of. Uh, is it a good win? But is it a yeah, good draw is it good, or, a, is it a, or a bad? It's a good yeah. draw, but it's also we should have won, but we should have uh, lost. Drop points yeah. away from away at, at home. I I really had Munster down to 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 shade that one. I really thought Racing showed up really well. It was it was actually good to see because it shows that they've come on a bit. I think they're going to be a real force in the competition. They've gone there, and they've actually gone far in the competition, and just completely folded in Tomlin Park, like just folded up the the, the tents and gone home and. They didn't do that this time around. I know they fell away towards the end of the game, but that can happen then in, in, in Tomlin Park. Munster, a very different proposition there than they are, say, away from home. So I'd expect them to beat Munster away from home, but um, yeah, I think that's probably one that got away for Racing. Yeah, what did you make of their play with the ball in hand? Like some unbelievable rugby, you know, Teddy Tomat played really well, like Finn Russell, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that moment of magic you mentioned. You know, he had, He's just liable to, yeah. I'm just nervous watching him. I, yeah. I feel like he's... Um, yeah, what's your view on him in general? 
I feel like he let you down on the big one. Yeah. I always feel that with Finn Russell, even though he's a brilliant player, he does lots of great things. I just feel like he can't keep passing it. Do you know one of those yeah. guys? I always feel like you come across these tens who who can do these amazing things, but like uh, I like, and I always come back to this piece of advice I got from Owen Redden. Not advice; it was more a steer about um, <laughs> An order. how no, no, it was, he was. We were talking about halfbacks, and he was kind of talking about his. He had a really kind of he had a good rule of thumb that he was given, and he said like from an early enough age, he said like ninety five percent of your decisions is just pass. It's just like just just do it. Just ninety like you get the ball so many times. Ninety five percent just. It should just be this, the first, the simplest thing that you see. Um, and I feel like Finn Russell doesn't do that all the time. He He's more like a, you know, a, a seven, like an 85% man. Like every, like half of the time, or sorry, 15% of the time he's making these decisions where he's like, he sees something and he's going for it. And yeah. I just feel like it's too much. It's just a little bit too much for him to be considered a really great uh, out half, which I think he has the potential to be, because I like a lot of other things about Finn Russell. I like that he, he is gets that not stuck what makes in. Makes him great, though. You know, is that not like if it he, makes him great to watch sometimes? But, if he but wasn't I don't doing know if it that, makes him great to be, play behind, to play yeah. outside or play behind. I think it makes him difficult to play behind at times, and I think you see that with Scotland from time to time. I don't think he helps steady the ship there. Sometimes, when you're not on top in the pack, now he might get the situation in wrestling where they could be on top more than they're not. But for Scotland, you really see. The, the good and the bad with him. He'll have a game against England where, like, what was in the, was that a 40 something draw? Remember that game they had a few, uh, yeah. was it last or, season? Or, or even when they won two years ago, some of the passes over yeah, the but top. But it ended yeah. up being like, so it was brilliant. Yeah. Some of it was amazing. And maybe we never get those things if he's thinking in the, you know, that ratio of 5%, <laughs> I'll try it, 95%, yeah. I'm not trying, I'm just going to play what I see and trust the players around me. But uh, look, I, maybe I'd like to see him maybe come into 10% rather than 15 Well, I think... I, I, These figures are completely thrown in my head. Yeah. I just, you, I just, you need the team I'm of eggheads upstairs to calibrate. I haven't got the eggheads or the resources like you have, Will, but yeah. I'm just basing that purely on what I see with them all the time. Yeah. But to go back to the game, what a game. Like, I mean, yeah. look, I, they'll be disappointed in at the, you know, with the with how the game finished and obviously the drop goal. Like, you just have to, you have to get that one. Like, it's right in front of... Like, yeah. It's a, he, I know he was absolutely good at it. I really fell for him because he was. He nailed really, the conversion two seconds. Like, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable conversion. conversion. Exactly. Yeah. One of the conversions, the best if, conversions I've seen. But if he, yeah, like, look, if he had missed the conversion and got the drop goal, they yeah. won the game. So yeah. um, you need to get, you need to get that one. So uh, look, I really fell for him. I was good at it because he's a guy that's had a difficult kind of. He's bounced around a few different clubs. He's obviously come back to Munster now, and he's in with a bit of a challenge to get that spot. I know he'll have a few games in a row now, but I think Joey will probably be their first choice. At ten, uh, particularly seeing as Mike Haley seems to have turned I was around. Going to bring on, bring up Mike Haley because he's a player who last year was, you know, we, we were very critical of him. And then even, you know, I know off there when I'd be talking to people, he would be getting a lot Me? of criticism. <laughs> no, it was a, our friends of mine. You know, when we were just talking about, yeah. him, we were like, "Geez, how did they bring him in?" Like, and he's been parachuting yeah. the Ireland. He looks really good. He's been he? really good. Like the the Munster matches I saw, you know, I know it was kind of they were playing the Dragons and the Ospreys, mm. but he was man of the match. I think in at least one of those games, possibly both, really good going forward, and he's carried that into some of the bigger matches now. Yeah, well, look, they need someone to replace kind of Zebo, I think, and we all thought that that was going to be that, that was why they had signed him. So good to see him progress. Uh, looks more confident, looks more comfortable, and um, you know, running with a bit of um, like he's kind of a glidey runner, but he's a big man as well. So yeah, look, hopefully he like from Munster's perspective because I think if they don't have that. They've got a serious decision to make as to where they play Joey Carberry. Mm. Like I feel like they've made the decision that he's going to be a ten. I, you know, my feelings on that. I think he's definitely a better fifteen. So um, 
yeah, look, that'll be an interesting one. It allows them to play Joey there. And I think it'll it'll take pressure off him if he's playing well there as well yeah. because they need another attacking thread. Like, it can't just all be reliant on on, on, or on, um, on Keith Earls making breaks for you. You know, there and has Conway. to be some other threats in Conway. Yeah, mm. obviously, sorry, Conway. Yeah. Just, I can't believe I forgot Conway, who's been their outstanding player. But it can't just be all those two guys. You're, you need an attacking and a potent back three. And, you know, with him playing well, you think that would open up opportunities for the other guys as well. And uh, what what... What about the form of Conor Murray? Uh, like, I thought it was interesting that, like, I thought they looked a lot better when Abby Matheson came on at the weekend. Yeah, and he, obviously he's leaving now, so like he won't be there. But and to be honest, I think since Abby Matheson has arrived, he's been now playing Conor Murray. You know, in the majority of the games, like, and this is probably an extended period since his injury. Pretty much, he's come back that he hasn't really fired. Like, what, what, not what you put it down to, but like, is in how does he kind of try to how does he rediscover that form? Like. I still feel like he's net. Like I, I'm looking at him a bit and just look. Uh, like on the weekend, I felt like he's nesting over the ball a little bit too long, yeah. and always looking for the kick. Uh, that could be a tactic that Munster are using. They have used it and it's used well against. I think lots of, I think against the subpar teams, that tactic can work really well for them. But against good teams who are organised for it, they just you see all how many times they just block the runners coming through, and they never really got up. Like Andrew Conway, who's brilliant in the air, never really got up to compete against Simon Zebo. Um, at the back, you know they just they just shepherded him and uh, didn't allow him to get into the airspace and even compete for it. Now they didn't get any pay for it, but usually that's a tactic that works well. I think good teams now have figured that tactic out, and I, and I think with Ireland they figured that out as well. So I'd like to see Connor utilising his attacking ability a bit more. He's got a brilliant pass when he when he gets it out. I think he's he needs to get that thing out a little bit quicker because Munster, particularly when Dave Kilcoyne comes back, they have some real. You know, and 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 when Peter Mahoney's firing, when CJ Stander are firing, um, you know, when Ty Byrne is firing, they have lots of guys who can be really difficult and can get momentum for their backs. And with Joey Carberry back, like that'll be a pretty potent backline. Mm. And and he needs to be releasing that and facilitating that. And it's not just it's not just his kicking game. His, his kicking game is a brilliant strength for him. But I think if he goes a bit away for it, I think he's got the weightings a little bit wrong in terms of how often he's kicking it, particularly in the middle of the park. I'd like to see like I look at Leinster, they do it a bit. But it looks to me like they're backing themselves a bit more and hanging onto the ball. And I think most good teams, unless they've really fired a few, a few shots, like a few phases where maybe like four or five phases where they're going, oh, like, I think we're not going anywhere. We're probably going to have to kick this thing. I think go to it then. I just feel like Munster are going to that a little bit too early. Hmm. The problem for them is that it's worked so well with Conor Murray for so long because teams haven't defended it that yeah. well. But I think teams have figured that out. So I'd like to see Conor go back to that he's a great attacker and he's a great runner with the ball as well he's lovely because I thought Matheson was bringing like when he was picking he up, up the pace, pace. Yeah, just up, up the pace, the pace. that's up exactly pace. what and they looked so much more threatening yeah well they're very physical pack yeah. when they get um, when they get their tails up they're very difficult to contain you saw that in the last couple of minutes against Racing they found it hard to contain them they yeah. really did find it hard to contain them when the ball was quick so I'd like to see him do that a bit I think if he does that like we know Conor Murray is an outstanding rugby player like mm. he's a great rugby brain you see he's, he's covering his positional play is always brilliant and he actually has a great running game um, very kind of silky skills and he's a big man as well so we shouldn't be afraid of carrying he's that ball he's very good around the line he's scored, picked up a lot of tries he yeah. is really good around the line he's a really good try record I think as well so uh, yeah look I, there's, it's, it doesn't take reinventing the wheel for, for Connor. I just feel like if he looked at that part of his game he might say do you know what I'm going to demand that my pack are in position 
Um, I don't, I'm going to say, like, I, that ball is coming to you. You guys better get prepared for that and get in position a bit quicker. That ball is coming. And we're going to have a few more phases where we're going to try and run it and get momentum in there and, and release the backs. Or release my 10 or my, my one of my centres to kick because they've got Scannell playing in the centre. So he's a nice kicking game in there as well. They have lots of different options. They don't have to keep using him at nine as the kicking option. Because one of the most interesting subplots over, you know, the, the back-to-backs coming up and then the, the festive period with the Interpros is, is that number nine slot because like, there's so many nines playing well. Like, you've Kalon Blade going mm-hmm. really well in yeah. Connacht as well. You know, Kieran Marmion's fighting with him there. You know, Luke McGrath, who's obviously playing quite well with Leinster as well. Mm-hmm. So it really will be interesting to see if Andy Farrell pulls the trigger on that position early doors if Murray isn't going that well. Yeah, well, he needs to make a decision on a few positions, mm-hmm. um, does Andy Farrell. Yeah. Like, I don't envy him in some ways, but at the same time, I do. I think he's got a real, he's got an easy narrative that he can sell to the media in terms of, you know, in terms of pressure on him. I think he he could he could start off the campaign very much trying out lots of different people with better age with, with kind of I suppose better age profiles, and he could say, "Listen, we're in a rebuilding process here. We're building towards the World Cup. Obviously, our focus is is on, on each each year is going to be on the Six Nations on each match that's in front of us. But I'm going to pick the best guys based on that, and I want to give people an opportunity to get settled in the jersey before." you know kind of four years out we're going to build again same as what Joe did I thought really well up until maybe the last little period build a really good squad of maybe 40-50 guys who are who've, who have played in the jersey and maybe played regularly enough or been exposed regularly enough uh, to the environment so yeah like I'd like to see a few of those guys with possibly better age profiles being exposed to international rugby you know this January so interesting to see what happens there like I mean as you say there's lots of positions where I could think of people maybe like a you know I don't know we're, we're going to move on to Leinster yeah. I think and, and Connacht but um, uh, you know I think there's a few guys like uh, Ronan Keller would probably be a standout yeah, well, guy for me at say, the that, for say that for a moment because I okay. want one last question on wrestling uh, I brought up Fakatawa last week and I talked how much I thought he was really good and then you lampooned me and lambasted me and gave me a withering look and a withering put down did you think he played well to be fair he didn't actually get that much ball I was surprised he was solid yeah. I thought he was solid and actually, that's which probably, is what you questioned but that's exactly yeah. what I questioned so like that's what you need like he's yeah. obviously maturing as a player like he's an older guy now like I played against him when he was I'm going to say 19 or something for Racing. Remember, he got a great try over there in a weird match off a... It was off one of R22 dropouts, weirdly enough. I missed a, a high ball what take. What year was this? He only ca- he's only been playing for Racing for a couple of years. No, he's been playing for... He's been there a while. He used to play in the wing. He was a really young guy playing in the wing. For them. They moved him into the centre the last couple of years. Yeah, so he was there. No, you were thinking, thinking of something. Vakataro only, only started playing for them... I'd I'm say. telling you, trust me, I played against Vakatawa. What year are you saying? Uh, yeah, you're saying uh, when you won the Heineken Cup? Like, no, no, not that far back. I'm going to say 2014 or 13 or something like that. Yeah, I think he's been there a good while. He was only a kid now. Are we really doing this in the middle of the podcast? Okay, we're doing this in the middle. Uh, viewers uh, well, well, and uh, listeners, yeah, okay. sorry. What are you checking it now? He's checking it. You can cut this out, Gab, can you? No, you're not cutting it out. Okay. Okay, so no, I, I was wrong. You're right. Yeah, no, I know. I played against him. So, yeah, he got a brilliant try there and he was playing on the wing. And cut that out, Kev. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, he's really matured as a player. Yeah. And th- that happens to, to guys. He you know, kind of bursts on the scene as a brilliant runner and he still has those kind of things. But I, I've even seen, even if you look at his body shape, he's gotten massive. He wasn't he's, that big when yeah, I played he's against humongous. him. Serious athlete. So, look, good to see him go well. I think that bodes well for Rassin because that's a position where you think you know, it's most good teams have a good second centre. Most teams who are yeah. winning in a competition have a solid second centre and they need one there. And he was good in the weekend. Yeah. Tomlin's a real fortress and he was up against a few physical guys as well. So, um, good to see that from their perspective. And for Munster, it sets up their next game was home to Saracens. It must win if they lose at the route. 
Yeah, they got to win that yeah. one, I think. Like they, yeah. They're not going to go to... Ra- they have to go to Rasting and Saracens and probably win away a boat. Ah, look, they're capable of doing that. They, they certainly are capable of doing that. They're, this Munster team, if they play to their best ability, yeah. can do that. I think it's be, it'll be... Uh, the odds will be against them and it does depend what team Saracens will play, but it'll still be difficult there. I think yeah. on that three, you know, 4G pitch, both places, it's pretty difficult to play both teams. Yeah. Well, we'll move on to the Leinster game then. It was a, a fairly... It was dour enough contest, like I think 13 6 in the end. Uh, like Leinster, to be fair, defended really, really well at times. Like Leon, especially after Jordan Lamb got Simbin, were on, on that line for about 10 minutes and they, he- they held them out. I thought they were very lucky. I thought they were very, I thought they could have got a. Uh, a oh, oh, there was a few of them. Oh, I in thought. the second half, they collapsed yeah, like three miles yeah, in a row. Yeah. It definitely should have been the Yeah, there was a few of them that I'm, I'm very confused about the, the rulings on that. I thought there was a few where they were very illegal. Um, and I thought there was a few where I'm saying, was that actually, I, I couldn't really make up my mind whether it was a penalty or not that went, when Leinster were getting in there, you know? I just thought it was, look, I don't envy the referees in this area because it looks really difficult, you know, who's connected to who, who can compete for the ball. Like, when is someone slipping around the side? When are they not? Uh, the scrum seemed to be a bit of a, there seemed to be a bit of confusion there. Like, Leinster seemed to get the edge in a few of them and then Leon seemed to have, for the most part, you know, a big edge on it. And I couldn't see, it looked like they were, you know, whenever you see the, the hooker popping up all the time, from le- like Ronan Keller is popping up all the time, I'm kind of thinking that usually means a tight head is kind of is, is boring in on him, or I, t- I think, uh, from from talking to a few front rowers, we're both in, we're both yeah, in our heads here saying we're not 100% sure on that one, but usually that's what it is, usually the pressure on him and forces him to pop up. So, I don't know, look, that's a real grey area. Leinster, you'd think, usually have a pretty strong scrum. Um, now, French opposition generally do have excellent scrums, but Leinster, like, in, they have an international front row there, bar Ronald Keller, and, you know... He inter- will be soon. An international, uh, I think an international pack, essentially, yeah. behind them. So it's unusual to see their scrum under so much pressure, particularly when they got a few, you know, right as well. I was kind of thinking, geez, it didn't look like they were completely dominant for the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, look, that, I thought they were contentious issues, and I thought Leinster were definitely lucky to tie to... to, to to touch on the game, they were they really were on the edge. I thought the referee shied away from maybe another yellow card, which I thought might have been deserved at, at different points. Whether the whether the penalties whether there were penalties or not, I don't know. Um, on a few of them, but when you give that many away and you give that many penalties, well, I mean, I, like, what did you think? Did you think the same thing at, at well, different points? Certainly in the second half, yeah, I thought yeah. they were very lucky to. Oh, I'm, the card. I'm definitely talking about the second half. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. Yeah, there should have been a card. I thought so. There as was well. just too many. Yeah, if you give away that many in a row, and I, I, as I said, there was one or two of that. There was one of the malls, like they just collapsed one going to the line. They collapsed another one going to the line. Yeah. And then they didn't give another uh, yellow card. And then Leon knocked on again and then it, they relieved the pressure. So they, I didn't, they did dodge a bullet. Now, having said that, Leon didn't deserve to win. Like, I don't know if I'd go as far as Neil Francis who and his piece said, like, Leon were absolutely shite or are absolutely shite. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that either. But, but um, um, like, they're handling, especially in the, the difference with top teams, like the handling among the tight forwards ooh, were, was big, shocking. Like, isn't it? Yeah. They, they, they dropped two or three in the first half yeah. in that really pressure period when Lammer was in the bin that like a top team someone's getting that and putting it out the back to someone and they're going in under the sticks oh, but like even you're just like just catch it yeah just hold on it's like you can't if you're not passing the ball onto someone under pressure as a top class rugby player unless the pass is terrible oh well the scrum you half gave one, like the captain and scrum half Baptiste Coudillard gave one I actually thought he I thought he, he was very really good for, for large portions pass. of the yeah. game I actually thought he was excellent he looked like a really like you know those French players yeah. French nines yeah. I'm more talking about he looked like a really polished player and he had very few bad passes I, I thought and was good around the pitch he really had big impact so 
Yeah, look, I, I just thought, again, that did show a bit of a difference um, in, in quality. I think best, you know, the best teams in the world at any international or um, at club level, their forwards can all handle the football well. And they just don't drop those when they don't give you a chance to, to breathe down there. Like, you have to have a big turnover, a big tackle or something to turn the ball over from them. Mm. A, a simple pass without any contact dropping it. I think it's inexcusable. Yeah, and what I thought Leo Cullen after the game said something interesting that I definitely agree with having watched them in the last two weeks is that there's a real pre-season feel to, not pre-season feel to the contest and the atmosphere, just to their preparation and, and reintegrating all the lads because obviously they had that block of five or six Pro 14 games where they yeah. hammered everyone and looked really, really good. But then you're like, you know, you're blooding back in, you know, six, seven, eight, nine guys. And I feel like even though they've won their first two games, it has been a bit disjointed. Like, I, I still, I, I, they're not really firing. I think we expected yeah. That though, because yeah. as he said, look, it's normal with reintegrating all these different people into different systems, etc. You know, so um, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised at that. I thought um, I thought they did well despite that. I think they did well. They did well to win, and I thought defensively they looked very aggressive, which was positive. I thought they'd there was particularly against Saracens. I thought that was a big differentiator between both teams last year is the aggression in the line speed mm. in the World Cup. It was the differentiator between every single team in tight matches that won the games. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go through those, those that list again. But every team that won a big game um, in the World Cup, it was it was down to their defence. And I feel like Saracens, you know, that was why they won the competition last year. Is that they had, a, you know, their their defence was different and better than everyone else's. And Leinster looked to me like they were a little bit more passive than them last season. So it was good to see them ramp that up. And and I think recognise that that's probably an area where they can improve from last season. So. They just need to continue that for the rest of the competition. And if you're looking at individuals, and I know this is someone that I saw you tweeting about him, so you obviously thought he played well, but he was someone who, who you know, a lot of people were praising was Reese Ruddock, another, oh, Jesus, another meaty, dominant performance against the French pack. <laughs> he's just built perfectly for yeah. them. He's a freak of an athlete. Uh, you know, he's got an unbelievable engine for such a big man. And he gets through just a mountain. Like, he, you can have a game where you don't see Reese for the whole thing, and you look at his stat sheet after, and Jesus, like, he just was relentless in there. And then you can have the ones where you see him for the whole thing. He's up carrying, uh, you know, making big tackles, holding guys up, you know, that you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. He, like, he has games where he has big impacts too. So, uh, I think he's a player for all weathers. I think he's... Um, but one of the form players in Ireland. The form, the oh, well. he's definitely a form player. I think he's... Um, I think he's just been excellent. As I said, uh, I think the tweet was along the lines of, I haven't seen him play an average game in a long time. Yeah. I just think he's been brilliant every time I've watched him. And even as an impact so for Ireland, I thought he was brilliant. So that's another one. You know, uh, we'll wait and see on, on, on what happens in, in, in that area as well. Like, that's a really hotly contested one. I mean, Peter O'Mahony is a guy who's excellent as well, I think. Um, I'd say it looks to me like... It looks to me like Reese is shading that one and has been for a little period, yeah, I think. Like um, would have to be the first name. But I thought, I, funny, funny enough though, I thought Peter was one of the only guys who played well against New Zealand. I thought he was excellent that day and he was brilliant in the air, the line-out thing. Like, whether they put the same kind of emphasis on that in Irish camp going forward, you know, because that, that's a key differentiator for him. He's so, so good at, at you know, defending at the front of the line-out and mm. stuff. So, um, yeah, whether they place the same emphasis on that as the previous coaching staff, I think will will probably determine who gets in that position. Yeah, just a quick tangent, because you mentioned the line-out. I don't know if you saw that uh, in Joe Schmidt's book, he, he said that the reason Devin Toner... I saw that. Yeah, was that a possible sighting was, in, was apparently in the works. That sounded like a dubious enough explanation. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that sounded right, but um, and I didn't think that 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 message. Well, now that he's gone, that message definitely wasn't relayed to Devon. Okay, yeah. So I don't know, there's <laughs> nothing else to say in that one. So that's that was interesting. I thought. Yeah. Um, A sighting that never occurred. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. It just sounded weird, to be honest. But look, um, you know, you, 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 the narrative, you bend towards whatever story you're trying to tell. Yeah. Um, and that was obviously something that people were asking a lot about. I think it's pretty much done at this stage now. And look, I think Devin didn't miss out on much from what I can see. So, uh, um, yeah, look, it's everyone moves on from that one at this stage. I look, I did think I didn't agree with that. Yeah. I didn't, that didn't. That sounded like a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a nothing comment, a bit of a throwaway comment. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, we don't. They might have considered it. They might have yeah. considered it in the in the decision making process. But I'm pretty sure that was not relayed. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, there's no point going back over Devin Toner's admission. We did talk. I didn't have a transcript of the conversation, but I, I'm pretty sure that that wasn't related. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would affect it? Yeah. Um, so just then, um, anyone else jumping out at you in terms of guys who are looking, you know, pretty good for this time of year? I know someone who people have been impressed with is Andrew Porter over the last... People even say, I saw, I can't remember who said it, but it has the question has been asked like about him. Should he have, like at Lucid, like going back to Lucid, or should he have been moved from Lucid in the first place because his power... I'd be keep if I was him. I'd be saying a tight head now. Yeah. He looks bloody good there. I mean, you can get a great long career to that. It's the, tight furlongs there too. You know. It's yeah, like, I, I see. I think he's actually more suited to it. Yeah. I think he's a more. I don't think he has the same kind of dynamism um, as like a as a Peter Dooley or as a just around the pitch or as a Keane Healy particularly mm. um, or a Dave Kilcoyne. I thought Dave Kilcoyne was brilliant in the World Cup as well. I'm just thinking about guys he'd be competing against. Now, that's not to say he can't add value there and can't be brilliant in that position. I'm only looking at it from just, just from my eye. I don't, just don't know enough about the position. I, I do, however, know how important the position is when you have a bad one. I think he, is the, he's the, you know, he can make a great career for himself in that position. Yeah. And he, uh, he looks like he's beginning to really figure it out. And he really kind of... Because they always say that with young guys, it's really hard to transfer all the brilliant gym work that you have. You get these guys who are brilliant in the gym at that age, yeah. more flexible, more powerful than the more established guys who've been kind of in, the, in there in the, in the engine room for a long time. And Tyg looks like he's probably... He's never been... I don't think people would ever say Tyg was unbelievable. In the gym. He's just a real... He's just a brilliant player, yeah. you know, and uh, he's obviously incredibly strong, incredibly powerful, but I don't think he would. One of, he's one of those guys that would show up incredibly in the gym, whereas yeah. Porter obviously would. Um, and it's really hard to transfer those powers into, like Sean O'Brien's another guy as well who wouldn't show up like unbelievably well in the gym, but geez, you get him in a wrestling match or, <laughs> you know, in a digging match, there's no better man than have Ty Furlong or, or Sean O'Brien. They just have that man strength. So I think it looks to me like, a lot of that is kind of transferring over to Porter now. He's kind of growing into that kind of physique and the power and it looks like it's transferring onto the pitch. So that's great to see. And I think he'll I think, only go from strength I to strength. I think he's going to have a big season. And with the technique as well, because you have to be able to distribute the power. Like it's the same in any kind of, when you look at people who are really strong in the gym, sometimes they're not the best tacklers because mm. their technique in distributing power isn't as good. And like there's lots of other factors that come into that. It's the position you are, the position you take, how you react to other people's positions. It's your own balance. Like balance is a huge thing that people don't put enough time and effort into. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually how you're balanced, how you can get your... Your, how your the brain sends a signal to your feet to be in the right positions for different contact situations. So uh, that takes practice and, you know, the 10,000-hour rule. And the more he plays, I think the better he'll get. So I'm excited to see how far he can get. I think tighthead looks like a great position for someone like him. Yeah, one last thing I'll answer before we move on and start wrapping up. Uh, interesting to see Stuart Lancaster was talking at a press conference yesterday about just what he's kind of, how he's tried to coach some of the younger players. And he said that in his experience, a lot of the Irish young players are quite, you know, very diligent and detail-orientated and very happy to take coach's advice, but we would be quite introverted. And then what he's tried to do is get them, you know, more extroverted, more talking a lot more. Mm -hmm. Remember when we had Rory O'Loughlin in last year, 
who would probably be maybe an introverted guy. And actually, he said that was a big thing that Stuart had said to him. He's like, I want you to like today to like say one thing in a meeting, just like pick you know one topic that you feel strongly about and say it. And it, by all accounts, that's something he's really stressed. You know, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's funny because like lots of people would have different views around, um, you know, having to be a certain caliber of a player, having to have, having, you know having to have achieved a certain amount in the game before you're really kind of voicing an opinion in, yeah. in different games. But as far as I can see, and I probably was guilty of that for, at different times, uh, you know, sometimes, you, you know, look, if you're really young and you're kind of talking a bit too much in a huddle and you're kind of not really adding a huge amount of value, you're kind of saying, listen, shut up. I've, and I, and I, have, I have had that, I have <laughs> had that conversation with a young guy when I was one of the senior guys there. Um, and uh, at the same time, I think those things, so achievement in the game and experience, you can tell from like coaching and all those kind of things, they're not necessarily a real key part in actually figuring like about who understands the game and what's mm. important and how different situations have occurred and can you definitely add value. So I think that's a great idea. And I yeah. think it brings certain people out of their shells if they're doing that. The problem is, I suppose, if you get it too much. But look, with everything, there's a balance to be struck in these things. So yeah, look, it was interesting. I read the article and look, Stuart seems like a really interesting guy. I think he seems like he's interested in developing the guys as uh, as their own kind of like each as their own leader of in their own little patch but also contributing to the whole as a, a as a group that was kind of my the mantra that I kind of got out of it was that I felt like he his feelings on it were that the better the leader you are the more confident you were in your abilities the more it kind of fit into and, and his game plan is about expressing himself and dealing with situations where you're not in control so like on unstructured play like I think the more you're a leader the more you're you know you're confident about communicating different things in and confident in your abilities you know the better you'll do in those situations and I, I think there's definitely some there, there'd have to be a bit of logic in that I think I, I would agree with that I think it's a pragmatic approach to it because you want to be a leader in your own in, in your own world and I, I think I think it's more crucial for Leinster than maybe some other teams whereby like in particular like that block at the start of the season that it was an extremely young team in all those games you know there's no there was not that many veterans back I know Devin Toner was there and maybe Scott yeah. Fardy but they didn't play every game a lot of times in the pitch you, like the, I remember looking at it once geez, like the average age of this this team is like 24 at the moment you know so yeah. it does require some of the younger guys to maybe to step up and be more vocal because you know if you're all amongst yourselves like someone has to do the talking yeah well look those periods are really important for young guys we talked about it at the time that you know there'll be a few people that'll emerge during that period that'll it'll really stand to them having played the games together played the games at a higher level and look you're in the shop window like the reality of the situation is with all the competition and Leinster's probably a standout in this regard you gotta. You're in the shop window. Like, mm -hmm. don't leave anything to chance. Don't yeah. let like four or be, five guys. But you can't like as as far as I always saw those things. And I was probably I was I was too far the other way where I was talking too much. I know that from having like looking back and now talking. Can you imagine, Will? Yeah. Me talking too much. <laughs> imagine that. But no, on a serious note, like I think. I was really conscious of those periods when internationals were right that this is my chance to shine. And be well, a you're leader. Not you were. I uh, yeah, to a certain extent, but I still had a period where you know I got my first cap, and yeah. then I didn't oh, play for the year. Yeah, so okay, like you yeah, know, yeah, I didn't yeah. play till the next summer. Yeah, yeah. So like that was you know, <laughs> those things are are pretty important. Like those shop windows. Like I would say, the last thing you want is for your personality or being shy about speaking because you think something. It might not be like look. You can't add value all the time, but you have to be able to see something. And say, look, I think this. If you're too shy and things like that, like because those things will well, come against say, you. You and Michael Check as head coach. I don't know if he would have been as you know receptive and warm. He to, was. Oh, was Check okay? like Check was brilliant. Like Czech, like I heard all these things after. It's like we had a bit of a, I had a bit of a Barney. I remember with Stephen Coe. 
And I didn't realize, Chloe told me afterwards, he was like, he told me to just go for you. Like, <laughs> I, we were playing a non-contact team, he hit me, and I, he's like, he wanted to see how I reacted. Sure. And I had a big, I had a, like, Stephen Kyo would pull my arms off. He's, <laughs> he's an absolute giant of a man. Like, he'd kill me. I was only a young kid at the time. But, like, I would be fiery. So, like, when he hit me off, I went, I went mental. And, like, I literally was still going in the team talk. Like, check, I, had to, I was like, you, you know, like, he was giving it. So he had to go at me after having a, sh you know, I read something. And I just kept going. Czech had to tell me to stop if you don't. I kept going, you know. And when Czech is telling you to Czech calm down, loved it. Yeah, Czech loved it though. Down, I yeah. found it after the Czech like he was like he loved it. A little bit of fire in a young guy. A guy who was willing to, he was confident enough in his own abilities to have a go at a senior fella. So like there'd be opportunity. Like Stewart strikes me as a guy who's probably testing people out all the time and yeah. that stuff. So I think it's a great environment to be in because you get to see who the personalities are, and it'll, he'll also get to see because there'll be players there that he probably likes the look of but probably is saying there's a gap there in terms yeah. of the confidence and the leadership side of things. So he, he gets to work on those. That's pretty much what Rory said himself. Yeah. Like he's like, that, that was after that, he got, he started getting into the team more after kind of taking on that, that bit of advice. So it is interesting. Uh, it's great to see. Yeah. I like to see him because I think the, all those things will benefit you in your career and all that afterwards as well. Like you have to be able, it seems to be like in whatever you decide to work at, like we're obviously in the game of speaking, but like other people. Allegedly. In, allegedly. Um, <laughs> but allegedly. They, uh, allegedly. <laughs> and they, um, yeah, like, you know, on a serious note though yeah. like you have to be able to speak about things that you're doing um, and you know be able to speak with a bit of thought and a bit of authority on it so these are great traits for people to have it develops them more as a person as well so it'll only benefit them and, and just to wrap up on Connacht as well they, they got a, I thought a harsh enough defeat in the end considering how competitive they were for long periods yeah. I think it was 32-17 Toulouse got that bonus point try at the very end but they were leading for long periods in that, in that, you know, that second half and again yeah. with a lot of injuries like you know Fitzgerald had half had a really really good game Jack Hardy was on the bench you know they're not probably they're not going to get out of their pool, but I think they can take another scalp or two definitely. I wouldn't be like sports ground. They're so difficult yeah. to beat there. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised um, if they're in the mix but just short at the end. Yeah. So uh, interesting to watch that, and it was very positive to see given all the injury concerns that they have. So that was a really spirited performance. I think was the word they used, and I would agree with that. I think there's lots they can take from that and build. Um, I think the league is still going to be the key for them. I'd like to see consistency. Like the, like to have the players and the quality and the coaching setup. I think. And they're they're looking to expand all those things and grow the grow the game down there. Uh, they're they're going to do that. Yeah. So they need to be consistent. The league is where I think is going to be key for them. But these performances, they can build and take confidence that they're not that far off from the top table in, in, in European rugby. Yeah, because they never qualified two years in a row through the league. Like the other years, it was when Leinster won Heineken Cups and they got in. Exactly. So, like, you know, they won the league under Pat Lamb. The following year, they didn't qualify. You know, they didn't yeah. make the... So it will be a big they step. You can't have that stuff. Yeah. You need to qualify every year. It'll be a big step year, yeah. to get into the top three again this year, obviously. Well, they have the quality to yeah. qualify every year, so they should do that. So um, And they have a great they're, they have a really good record at home as well they're usually pretty solid there and difficult to beat particularly when they have a full team out so um, yeah let's let's see them kick on I'd like to see Connor kick on now and uh, one last thing on their Irish interest Ron O'Gara his team obviously had a very dis oh, disappointing uh, defeat to Sale Sharks I don't know if you saw the incident of the red card like he must How be stupid is he that? must just be thinking what, just what have I got myself into <laughs> like sorry you never really yeah. do I've never seen someone gouge anyone um Sorry, no pun intended, but I've never seen anyone gouge anyone that's actually really hurt them with it either. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're literally Scott giving Berger up, tried his best. But you're literally giving like so like you're giving someone, I don't know, whatever, double vision for it a little bit, like because you never like who's really doing like getting in there? You can't really. It's just it's not like King Lear, you know. But like what is it? Is it like for six? All those <laughs> <like that. laughs> um but like 
what is, is it a minimum six month ban or something? Like it's something uh, crazy. It's, I, yeah, I don't have the top of my head. Well, there's low grade. I think it's a minimum three, maybe. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm gonna. But they used sorry gouging. They Scott Burke got six weeks. But that was they re, they they went down really hard after that one. Yeah. Um, like that was to get him back for for Super Rugby or not for Super Rugby for Tri Nations at the time. Yeah. Um, look, it seems it's just it's career suicide. Like yeah. you're like as soon as I see that, I'm thinking, well, you're a dumbo. Yeah. Like how how stupid are you? Like yeah. you're, you're personally like you're, you're so you're not actually physically hurting the guy. You're literally your team is now down a number for the whole game, and on top of that, you're banned for whatever six months. You know, I I think it's a, I'm nearly going to say it's a minimum of six months. Will yeah, I think they've they decided come to come down really strongly. And I remember after the Stade Francais stuff and yeah, the Ulster, a two. I think there was there was a few of them and, Dupuis, and, and it was Dupuis, Dupuis, game, yeah, 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 they all they, they had huge. Yeah, uh, you ran a tube like, got eighteen like, months or something, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. it might have been his second offence or yeah, something like yeah. that in a while. But sorry, they come down really strong on that. So yeah. and they should. It's a stupid like it's, oh, it's crazy. I think. Do you see who was playing out half for La Rochelle? I... A 38-year-old Brock James still, Brock James, still, is it? Oh, still I didn't know. I didn't, I, I didn't see that game. I, just, I couldn't believe it when he... I saw the highlights of the gouge. He's about uh, the same age as Rod's, like... <laughs> yeah, but you looked... Maybe it looked... At, if he's still going, he's still going. And he was a quality player. Like, he yeah. just couldn't drop kick to save his well, life. We just know he's going to... Like, somehow they'll wrestle their way back into contention and he'll be in the pocket on, <laughs> in round six. You don't... You, you, there's no need to be so excited at the prospects. Um, <laughs> I just remember that game against Leinster. That's 2010. Were you playing the match? I, the wasn't, I was injured. I was injured. Yeah, well, yeah, should have yeah, guessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a 50 50 shot, actually, with my career. <laughs> a 10 year career, five years out, serious injury. Yeah. Seriously. But uh, he missed three drop goals. And that, to be fair, that, that wasn't the only game. He actually was. The thing is, he actually was a quality player, like when he was, you know, when they were going well. Brilliant rugby player. Yeah. Honestly, his passing game. Like he ran Leinster ragged that year in the RDS. Like yeah. his pat, like honestly, the lad said they never felt so stretched. Like they had a great pack, of course, and a good yeah. platform. But Jesus, yeah, Malzier like, got scored a hat trick. Oh, game, oh, yeah. and they had Rougerie as well. Like they yeah. were just hard to contain, like really hard to contain. So, um, and it was partly due down to his passing. They, yeah. the, the lad said, I remember Drico saying, "Jesus, passing was brilliant. Uh, so long, crisp, and he could do it on the run as well. So, um, like he's a quality operator. Like, um, and look, there's hope for Sexo now. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll make it to the next World Cup. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you just need to get him a pair <laughs> of gloves. James can do it. Yeah, sure gloves can. on him. I think that's the secret to his. <laughs> Don't wear the gloves, Jesus. Is he Christ. the best glove wearer in rugby history? He's the most consistent, anyway. Yeah, him Andy, and Phil Thompson. Andy Good, Phil, Phil Thompson. Phil Thompson. Phil is it? Phil Thompson. Wasn't Steve, the Thompson. Thompson. Steve Thompson. Sorry, Steve Thompson. Phil Thompson, the yeah, was, uh, Liverpool guy. You should have oh, got that. Yeah, big nose. <laughs> big yeah, nose. Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, just before we wrap up, anything else from the weekend that we need to cover? Just last, any final uh, thoughts? Final thoughts? No, I think very positive so far for the Irish provinces. I think obviously Munster will be a little bit disappointed with that, but Racing are very good. Um, I think they have a good chance. Depending, like, look, Saracens look like they're not going to play their first team in all the games. That might change. Well, the Tolman one is the big one, how they go about that. Like, cause yeah. Munster would be loving it if Saracens put out a second string. They'd smash them, I think. Yeah, yeah no, they would. Because if, if Saracens yeah. go full-blooded for that, I think they can win in Tolman, I really do. Ah, well, they have the players. Yeah. The Saracens are the best team in the competition if yeah. they play their full team. Yeah, hardly, actually. Yeah. I was hardly going out on a limb with that one. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> the best look, team in the sorry, I did, look, a very positive. I think yeah. Connacht as well can be very can be very happy with that start. Uh, they'd be disappointed with the bonus point as you mentioned. Ulster cracking starts the competition, gritty win over in the wreck, and, and back to back against Harlequins. Like they could be in a very very strong position. Exactly, they might just need to win rounds. one out of the last yeah. two um, if they go well in those. And Harlequins are. 
Oh, they're flaky at the they're best of times, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're uh, as the power rankings. Um, uh, yeah, the thirteenth <laughs> best show. team apparently. Yeah. According to they're them. not great. Yeah, yeah. but Ulster look good and they're and they're playing confidently and it's a good coaching ticket. Dan McFarland's a guy I've liked for a long time and lots of people feel the same way about yeah. that. So your former um, Ireland A coach wasn't it? correct? Yeah, mm. and a very good coach with uh, Connacht and Glasgow as well. Um, so. Uh, yeah, look, he's doing good work up there, and I think, as I said, he's he's. It looks like the fruits of the labors in terms of the um, uh, the who they're uh, who they've got in the yeah. players they've got in. Like I think they, they've they've shifted towards getting in a better better guys in the pack, and they look way better off the back of it. So um, that's good to see. Leinster looking strong, a bit patchy, but you'd expect them to get better. So all all in all, I think positive. Yeah, another great weekend of European rugby. Luke, thanks for joining me for our fireside chat. Just need the fire now. We'll have that too. Actually, yeah, is this yeah. going to be a weekly thing if it's uh, just me and you? Well, geez, I don't know. We, <laughs> we, we need to get it from guests. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, that's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing in association with Aldi. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening, and goodbye.